Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with David King-Lassman, founder of GigXR, an extended reality platform that's raised nearly $8 million in funding. David, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Hey, Brett, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building there, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. So I was born and raised in London, in England. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started my first business way back when, just to date myself, we distributed software on a five and a quarter inch floppy disk. That was in the ed tech space, actually. And that's when I realized that if you can build a piece of technology that actually delivers value against something that is really challenging for the industry you're trying to solve for, then you're going to be successful. I've had a bunch of companies between then and now. Some have sold and done really well. Others, you know, didn't make it. Learned a lot from those ones, I think. More recently, I ran a venture fund in Southern California, and I kind of came out of operational retirement to start GigXR. Nice. And I know we're going to chat about that in a second, but two other quick questions we'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder. So is there a founder CEO that you look up to the most right now? Well, I think there are many. I think the one that I really admire is James Dyson, not just because he's a fellow Brit, but you know, I know his story very well. And what I really love about him was that he had a vision, he was faced with real adversity, he persevered, he believed in what he was doing. You know, it's a well-documented story. And, you know, he got his company away. And it's, I think it's an inspirational story. And I think he's an inspirational leader. And I really admire what he's done and what he's achieved. Nice. Love that. What about books? Is there a book that's had the greatest impact on you as a founder? Oh my gosh, I've read many. I tend to think about the last one that I read that uh, impacted me. And actually, I read one recently that was really strong. It was called The Value Proposition Design by um, Alex Osterwalder and a couple of his colleagues. But it's great for anyone who wants to learn great processes and techniques for you know designing product that really meets the needs of the customers you're serving. It's, it's a terrific book. Nice. We'll have to check that out. 90% of the guests say the same book. They say hard thing about hard things or yeah. zero to one. So it's refreshing to get a, a new book recommendation here. Oh, cool. Perfect. Now let's switch gears and let's talk about GigXR and what you guys are doing there. So could you walk us through the origin story behind the company and then just provide a high-level overview of what you guys do? Yeah, sure. So, wow, it was a really serendipitous and, and, and good fortune for me. I started, as I mentioned, in EdTech, and a colleague of mine out here in Southern California asked me to take a look at a company that had been incubated at Pearson. Pearson is one of the world's leading educational publishers, as I'm sure many of your listeners will know. They're based in the UK. They had invested in an immersive learning division that they built in collaboration with Microsoft ahead of Microsoft launch of the HoloLens uh, in 2018. And as part of their kind of restructuring, they were divesting of lots of their properties. And I flew over to London to have a look at this little division. They had a dozen or so employees. They built five applications for the HoloLens. Two of them were in the medical sphere. The other three were K-12 apps. And they were looking to sell them. And I took a look at that and thought, wow, there's a really fantastic opportunity here to build something on the back of what they'd started. And they'd done you know, years of research and invested lots of money. 
And I bought those assets out of Pearson, set up a company here in LA. And what we did was thought, well, there's an opportunity here to come at this from a slightly different angle rather than thinking about this as a content play. Let's build a platform. I loved mixed reality as a medium. I saw tremendous potential in how it could be applied in education. So I kind of was going back to my roots, if you like. And in particular, I thought that it would have tremendous value in the healthcare space. You know, doctors and nurses, when we train them and medical professionals in general, rely very heavily on simulation. And if we could find a way of doing that in a dynamic and immersive way through a media like uh, mixed reality, I, I imagine that that would be tremendously valuable. So, uh, you know, I do what most founders did back in the day, you know, build a kind of investment thesis, think about what we're going to do, what strategy will be, what's our go to market, and then execute against it. And uh, so far, so good. Very cool. And as I'm sure you're well aware, there's a lot of buzz around mixed reality. Could you just summarize for us you know, what the state of the market is and what the state of the landscape looks like? Sure. Well, I think probably it's worth saying out loud that, you know, exactly what mixed reality is. You know, we're all very, very familiar with virtual reality where, you know, you put on a headset and you're fully immersed in a digital world and the physical world is occluded from your perspective. And that's absolutely terrific for gaming. It's terrific for some sort of enterprise applications where you need to practice a procedure or something like that. What it's not great at is connected experiences. What it's not great at is making sure that you don't get disorientated or, you know, a lot of people suffer from nausea when they're in a, a fully virtual world. Mixed reality uses headsets like the Microsoft HoloLens, which has a clear visor. So I can see the world around me. I can navigate very easily in the world around me. But then we can broadcast holographic content into the physical world. And what's really powerful when you think about this from an educational perspective is that, you know, the way we learn is we typically have an instructor and we have a, a cohort of students around us and we're interacting with each other all the time or we're interacting with models or we're interacting with designs or whatever it might be. And if we think about healthcare in particular, as I said, simulation is a really, really important part of how we learn. So we practice on cadavers, for instance, or we practice on mannequins in big simulation labs, and literally the things that you see in shop windows that are slightly more advanced. Maybe they've got tubes that can pump fake blood through them, for instance. Or sometimes we bring actors onto campus to pretend to have a certain pathology that we learn how to diagnose and so on. So if we can do all these things in a holographic way, that's incredibly powerful. So mixed reality is terrific. It's nascent. You know, HoloLens is the big player in the space in terms of devices. There's a, another company, Magic Leap, based in Florida. I think lots of people know about them. Their store is pretty well documented. But what's really exciting is that there's a whole slew of hardware companies that are bringing mixed reality devices to market. Some are out now. Some we know are coming. You know, we're all eagerly awaiting to see what Apple does in the space. We know that Meta has just launched their new Quest 2, which has what's called pass-through features, which has cameras that actually film the real world and then display it in your virtual reality headset, which really transforms a VR headset into a mixed reality one. And when people are using mixed reality, do they get sick? Because when I used a VR headset, that's exactly what happened to me. Is that an issue also with mixed reality? It is not an issue with mixed reality. It's one of the huge benefits of using an MR. We don't get disorientated. We don't suffer from nausea. And that's 
incredibly beneficial, particularly when you think about educational application. Because one of the things that all good instructors are very concerned about is accessibility and making sure that any kind of technology that you use can be experienced by all of your students. Yeah, so we can't discriminate against somebody, who, for instance, is going to feel sick if they're learning in a particular way. So that all goes away with MR. And the other thing as well, with mixed reality, you can also extend that to mobile experiences. So you can use your mobile device basically as conduits onto holographic content. So you can hold up your phone and you know, think about a hologram that's beamed into your room and you use your phone to walk around it and see it from every possible angle. Got it. Very cool. You know, on this show, we tend to speak with a lot of people in cybersecurity or mm-hmm. IT or, you know, building developer tools. And it's pretty clear to me, you know, how those types of solutions get adopted and sold into the market. But could you walk me through how a solution like yours gets sold into universities, sounds like, and different schools? Yeah, sure. So, you know, interestingly, with any kind of nascent technology, you have an initial challenge, which is explaining the proposition. I'm telling you about something that you've had no experience of. Mm-hmm. And that can sometimes be very difficult, right? Because you can't really get on a call with someone and have them be able to reference what you're selling, right? So one of the things that's really powerful is being able to demonstrate a nascent technology. And we do this really, really effectively. And we can do this in a number of ways. One is, you know, I could show you a video of the technology working, and that's great. But what's much, much more powerful is even if I'm remote from you, like not in the same room, I can have a headset on, I can run a demo, I can have you download an application on your mobile phone, and I can walk you through a simulation experience in exactly the way that it would be used in a classroom. So if you're a medical professional, So the first person that I'm talking to might be a physician in a teaching hospital. And I'll say, think about when you teach the cardiovascular system to your students. Maybe you start with a a model of a skeleton in the corner of your classroom. Or maybe you take them into a wet lab and you open a cadaver and you uh, show them the heart, for instance, which might be very tricky to do. Not many schools actually have cadaveric sections. Expensive, costs a lot to maintain and so on. So I might open up one of the applications that sits on the GigXR platform and have that physician experience exactly the way that she or he would teach that part of the curriculum in their school. And you have this moment where, you know, the jaw-dropping moment where they say, oh my God, that is so cool, I have to have it. And you need to get them to that experience and the rest of it is easy because they see the value right from the get-go. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And what does that look like then in terms of a sales force? Are you doing a lot of in-person selling or is that all just done remotely through that demo? Yeah, it's a great question. So what was fascinating about the pandemic is how we turned a really profound headwind for us into a phenomenal tailwind. So the beginning of the pandemic, you know, our business, we couldn't execute it because we relied on teachers and students being in the same room at the same time, right? Mm. And we also relied as part of our sales process of getting in front of those teachers to demonstrate the technology. And all of that went away, went away overnight. So what we executed very quickly, and this was always on our roadmap, by the way, we just accelerated it, was this, what we called the mobile layer at the platform level. And by the way, it's probably worth saying that, you know, 
GigXR is a platform. And the great advantage of that is that all of the kind of heavy lifting, you know, the user management, uh, session management, content management, all done at the platform level. And on top of the platform, we're building this constellation of applications and modules that we're building in collaboration with some of the most well-known medical schools in the world. But anyway, we engineered at the platform level this mobile layer that allowed students to access a simulation lesson using their mobile phones as conduits onto that holographic content. So suddenly, where during the pandemic, simulation couldn't be done, and it, you know, a nursing student, a medical student, they need simulation. Absolutely imperative that they get those vital simulation hours in in order to be able to be effective professionals. And suddenly, they were able to get those simulation hours in because of the tools that we had built. So that headwind that we were presented with in what, you know, February, March 2020, by Q3 of that year became a big tailwind and it helped us enormously to gain real traction in the marketplace. But what we also learned during that process was we needed to sell remotely because our sales guys in North America, we have a fantastic fellow down in Adelaide, Australia, who was selling all around the world, was having to do this on a Zoom call. And we learned very quickly how to do that effectively. And so now post-pandemic, we use a combination of both methodologies. We still have our sales force selling remotely, but it's more powerful if we can get in the room with customers, because when you see this up close and personal, it's the most compelling experience of all. So it's a combination of the two. Obviously, trade shows are very good for us. There are lots and lots of shows in the healthcare space, and we make sure that we're representative of the biggest and the best of them. But it's basically worked really well. We're selling into customers across four continents, and we're growing our customer base at a rate of knots. Wow, very cool. So would you say the company is then better off because of the pandemic? I think that what the pandemic has done, it's taught us, you know, across all verticals that we can manage in a remote environment, whether it's, you know, your workforce or interfacing with customers. And I think that that is going to persist. I think that what we're also seeing, by the way, is that universities learned that, hey, you know, we don't necessarily need to have all of our students on campus. And from an OPEX perspective, you know, they can make a lot of savings by continuing this remote education. Also, of course, opens up their pool of students, right? Because instead of everyone having to descend upon your campus, we can now potentially get students from overseas who don't necessarily need to come, say, to North America, if you're a North American school. And so remote learning has been maintained. And that's you know, really, really good for us because we've got this wonderful ability to train students who are remote. The other thing as well is the industry post-pandemic is facing an existential crisis. And this is true in North America. It's true in the UK where we have close ties. It's, it's true pretty much right across the world where, you know, people got very disillusioned with healthcare. Nurses started looking for other opportunities, moving away from care. Most communities are underserved in terms of numbers of doctors and number of nurses. And so what the industry is doing is trying to respond to that by, you know, accelerating training or by bringing in professionals who are not necessarily local to you. We're seeing that in the UK, particularly where they're kind of pillaging communities in, you know, sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia and so on, and having to train those professionals very, very quickly. And platforms like ours 
are proving to be really effective in accelerating learning. We're seeing empirically that knowledge retention is enhanced when you learn using immersive technologies like ours. The mm -hmm. speed at which you learn a skill is accelerated. And the speed at which students are able to develop their clinical thinking, their clinical reasoning, so that when it comes to clinical experience, they are equipped to do the job is proven to be much, much more effective when you are immersed in the learning experience in the way that we're able to do through GigXR. So we're finding that the industry is responding really positively to technologies like this. Mm, interesting. And are there any numbers or metrics you can share in terms of traction, just so we can understand what that adoption looks like? Well... I mean, these are early days for us, but I think that the proof is in the pudding. There are, there are two metrics, I think, that are really powerful for us. One is the number of institutions. I'm not going to tell you the exact number, but it's significant. And as I said, it spans four continents, so we're very much a global play. But the other metric that I think is very exciting for us as a business is that with our legacy customers, we have 97% retention rate. That means that customers that are buying annualized licenses, that's how we sell. We sell 12-month licenses typically paid annually in advance, 97% of our customers have renewed, but they're renewing in greater numbers. So they're buying more licenses and they're buying more applications. And that makes sense because we're bringing more and more apps to the platform on a regular basis. Got it. And then for you, as your entry point into the market, healthcare, and you plan on expanding to many other use cases and verticals in the future, or what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's very tempting for a company like ours that has a platform and an underlying technology and application that lends itself to many, many different verticals. It's very tempting to say, you know what, let's go after them all. Let's do HR. Let's do architecture. Let's do engineering. Let's think about how in enterprise we're having to retrain our workforces as technologies develop. Think about the automotive industry. You know, the petrol engine is going to be a thing of the past. What do you do with all those mechanics? I think for now, the healthcare market, the way we think about it is this is a very substantial market. It's one that has tremendous suitability to technology like this. And there's great opportunity to really develop a huge business around this one vertical alone. And I'm sure as you've heard from many of the founders that have been on your show, you know, focus is really, really important. If you spread yourself too thin, you might get yourself into a spot of bother. So what we've done over the past few years is really understood this particular vertical. You know, of course, we're not healthcare professionals ourselves, although we do actually have a couple of people on our payroll who, who are former nurses, and that's great. But we're learning. We're learning quickly and we're building these fantastic strategic relationships with tremendous subject matter experts from, as I said, some of the greatest institutions in the world, like you know, Cambridge University Hospitals in the UK, Michigan Medicine out here in North America. You know, great schools that are saying the future of healthcare training is in extended reality. And for us, we think there's an opportunity to become the de facto standard of extended reality healthcare training on a global basis. Uh, you know, we're already a very well-known brand in healthcare. We're well ahead of the curve. There's really nobody in a position right now to compete with us at a platform level. And again, I can't share with you the institutions that we're developing product with that will come to light in the fullness of time, but we're working with more of the greatest institutions in the world than we currently are. And I think that, you know, if we look at the company 12, 24 months from now, there's going to be such breadth 
across our constellation of applications that really there won't be any area of healthcare that we won't be touching. And it's not just about doctors and nurses, but it will be dentists and anesthetists and physiotherapists and you know the whole gamut of healthcare professionals that will benefit from this type of learning experience. Nice. That's amazing. And one follow-on question from that, you know, all founders that I know and you know everyone that we have on the show, they do struggle with that of, you know, choosing your niche because when you do that, you know, you feel like you're alienating or you know, leaving business on the table with all of those other verticals. So at what stage in your journey did you make that call to focus on healthcare? Was that day one or was that after you had already started, you know, having sales conversations and starting to bring it to market? Yeah. So I know it's another great question. It pretty much was day one. There was a moment where we thought this would have tremendous application in things like STEM science. And what if we could tap into the K through 12 or maybe the high school market? But the cost of headsets is prohibitively high. And we thought, well, that market isn't ready for this type of experience yet. So healthcare pretty much from the get-go was our focus. And I think that the way we've engineered the platform, it allows us to be pretty agile. So, you know, as more headsets come out, as the price point gets lower, which inevitably it will, think about, you know, emerging technologies, they always start off with high price points. Now, I remember the first PC I bought back in the 80s, I think it was about $15,000, you know, so... Um, <laughs> And over time, these things come down. And when when mixed reality and augmented reality and this you know, extended reality experience becomes ubiquitous, and I fully believe that it will, I think we're perfectly positioned as a company to exploit opportunities that emerge. So whether it's, you know, as I said, you know, high school learning AP sciences or other verticals, you know, we're going to be well placed to take advantage of those. But for now, for the short to medium term, healthcare is absolutely where we're at. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Last question for you. If we zoom out into the future, what excites you most about what lies ahead? Wow. So many things. As I mentioned that, you know, this ambition to be the platform of record for immersive training in healthcare is something that really excites me. And I think that's achievable. We can taste it. Uh, we're excited by it. It gets us out of bed every morning. We have a fantastic team at GigXR united behind this ambition. But I also think there's a slightly different thing that, for me personally, I find very exciting. And that is, look, we're already showing that we're driving learning outcomes across healthcare. And that means that, you know, we're helping to make better doctors and better nurses. And we're doing that on a global basis. And some of the partners that we're partnering with are very excited by the opportunities afforded by a platform like this that can help raise standards in less privileged areas, whether it's, you know, across rural America, where, you know, the resources aren't as expansive as they are in the big metropolises here, or whether it's in developing parts of the world. Raising standards is something that I find wildly exciting. And if we can get to a point where we can say, hey, you know what, maybe we saved a life somewhere, I think that would be an extraordinary legacy to leave. And, you know, that's for someone who's been around the block for as long as I have. And, you know, I don't have much to prove, I don't think anymore. That could be the greatest legacy of all for me as an entrepreneur, as a founder of a company to say that, hey, look at the difference we made. That was really something nice. I love it. Unfortunately, David, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey as you build, where's the best place for them to go? 
I would say come online, gigxr.com, and reach out to us if you want to learn more. Contact us through the site. We'd love to hear from you. Amazing. Well, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it. Really love your accent. It's so soothing. I need to get more British people on the show. And you have an amazing story and really love what you guys are building. So thanks so much for taking the time to chat. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Thanks for the opportunity to chat. Appreciate it. Yeah, best of luck. Take care. Bye.